Father God, I thank you so much that the words of that song that we just sang are so true, that you are our living hope. And Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made. God, I thank you that you came to this world. You suffered, you bled, and you died so that we could be forgiven from our sins, the thing that separates us from you. And God, most of all, I thank you for the resurrection that we can have because you defeated death, the reason for our living hope. And God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us now, that your Holy Spirit would usher us into the truth of your word. May we receive knowledge and wisdom and understanding from you. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Encourage us. God, may you be high and lifted up. And I pray for those who are in here today who may be disconnected, they may be isolated, they may not be in Christian community. God, I pray for a reset for all of us in terms of maybe what we think about community. God, may you be the author of these next moments together. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here. We're in week two of our series for the new year called Reset. And, and I got to tell you that uh, the, the person that, that said these words, it's a lady by the name of Mother Teresa. You know her. Most of you know her well and know what she did. And this woman who was consumed with solving the problem of poverty in her world and in our world once said that the most terrible poverty in all the world is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Think about that for a moment. The person who dealt with poverty said that the thing that defines poverty the most, the thing that makes us most poor is loneliness. And loneliness does have dramatic effects on our lives. Isolation has dramatic effects on our lives. Studies, cultural and scientific, have shown that there's a huge correlation between loneliness, ongoing loneliness, ongoing isolation, and our health. There's a Brigham Young study that was, uh, take, took place uh, several years ago that found that so social isolation increased the death the early the risk of early death by 30%. It increased the risk of early death by 30%. And other studies have shown that isolation and loneliness actually affect it by about 60%. That's huge. And happy new year. <laughs> loneliness is something that is um, it's heavy. It's heavy. At some point in time, we either have experienced it or will experience it. Other studies have shown that um, in addition to dying early, other effects of loneliness have been shown to directly relate to depression and anxiety, substance abuse, dementia, even schizophrenia. And, and although we in our culture, in today's world, we have more ways to connect with other people than ever before in the course of human history, more ways to meet with people, more ways to connect. We, 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 can, we can call someone on the phone. We can actually meet them. Here's a thought face to face. Um, we have social media. It's called social media for a reason. We have 30% of our society in the United States would describe themselves as lonely. 
And I'm surprised it's not more, to be honest with you. Loneliness is almost an epidemic in our world, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There's a death that occurs in so many ways. There's a death that occurs emotionally. There's a death that occurs psychologically. And as we even talked about, it can occur in our health and in our lives early if we don't tackle this thing of loneliness. And I got to tell you, church, in terms of us resetting our lives, the Bible has so much to say about us fighting loneliness in terms of biblical community. It has so much to say to us about what it means to get plugged into the body of Christ and not only have this, hor this uh, uh, vertical relationship down, but also have these horizontal relationships down so that we don't die a spiritual death of loneliness. And so today we're gonna be talking about what it means to reset in terms of our relationships and maybe even reorient ourselves towards Christian community. And as a preface today, kind of, a, I guess, a, uh, you know, a bit of a caveat, I want to say to those of you who are in regular Christian community that today's message is more of a message of encouragement. It's a message to keep on doing what you're doing, to invite others into this circle and do it more and do it wider and broader and deeper. And to those of you who may not understand all that the Bible says about community, my prayer is and, and my challenge will be um, to find it, to find it so that you don't die that spiritual death that we just talked about. We're talking about resetting in terms of a lot of different things. We began last week by talking about how God is at work now, that we need to be anticipating what he's going to do today and tomorrow, and how he can do amazing things when we're ready to receive his instruction. We're ready to respond to that instruction. But we're gonna be talking about resetting in terms of our passions, in terms of our finances, and in terms of our influence. But today I wanna to talk about this idea of relationships and what the Bible has to say about us as Christians, those of you who are here today who are Christians, because the Bible has tons to say about this topic. And we're gonna be taking a look at three principles from God's word as to why relationships are important. Now, there are a lot more. Some of you be emailing me. I found this. You're right, there are a lot more. But we're gonna be focused on three today, three reasons from the Bible why relationships are important. And in the context of today's message, I could have used three words. There are three different words that are kind of used um, in the English language for this idea of Christian community or biblical community, biblical relationship, and that is relationships, community, or fellowship. And, and uh, fellowship has so many different connotations. Relationship is a little more broad. So we're gonna be talking about things today in the context of this word community. Now, when you hear that word community in church, you probably think of one of two things because we talk about community broadly in two areas. We talk about the external community in a church. That is something that we talk about a lot here at Hilton and Allen Community Church because our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. And so the first part of that mission statement really kind of drives us to the point where this community in which God has placed us, in which this church exists, the community in which you live, um, most of you, unless you're here on vacation or you live half the year in Ohio, um, like most of the community, um, for, for most of us, that's our community <laughs> 
and it's the external community, and it is our primary mission field. That's external community. The internal community in a church are the people that we're around, the people that we surround ourselves with here. It's the larger body of Christ that can also be broken up into the smaller group of the body of Christ. And it's our primary, in addition to Sunday morning, our primary place where we connect with others for the purpose of spiritual growth. And so we're going to be talking about that internal community today. It's the second of the two uses of that word in church. And so today, I want, I want to paint a picture of three reasons, three biblical reasons why we as Christ followers should be in community. First and foremost, we are created to be in community. I want you to hear that again. We are created to be in community. Listen, you are created to be in community. Those of you who love people and those of you who don't love people. Those of you who are extroverts and those of you who are introverts, who would rather have church at home and watch via Facebook Live, which is probably going on right now. Hi to you introverts who are watching by yourself at home. I'm cool with it, it's totally fine. Okay, so anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out to Facebook there, but it applies to all of us, this idea of us being created in community. We are created to be in community. God's word clearly lays that out. First and foremost, community was created by God. It was created by God. Check this out in Genesis 1, all the way back at the beginning of creation. When God is creating the earth, when he takes those seven days and creates what we now have around us, it's amazing. Look at what he says. Then, uh, then God said, let, what's that next word? Us. I want to say it again. Let us make man in our own image. He uses, he uses the word us and are several times to describe his creation of us. You see, God is community in and of himself. The message here is, is that God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all wrapped into one, that he's three in one. That's one of the tenets of our faith. It's on, it's like, as Hilton Head Island Community Church, that's part of the, the core doctrine, the core theology of what we believe in. It's one of what I call the, the kind of like the big pillars that we believe in the triune God, three in one, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And yes, that's hard to understand. And yes, it's a message series for another day. But God, God is three in one. I mean, I want you to think about that for a moment. Let that kind of settle and let that sink in. That the very, listen, the very nature of who God is, is community. Like he didn't just create community. He is community. The very nature of who he is shouts to us that we need community because we're created in his image. And when I say that we were created to be in community, I mean that because God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created you, he created me in his image. 
And one of, that, one of the results of that, one of the consequences of that, means that we are created for community. Listen, for those of you who, who are, are maybe a little more introverted or maybe a little more introverted in your faith, you, you may be a little bit like some people I know that are like, man, you know, my, like my faith walk is mine. It's like me and God, just us. It's just us. It's just me and God. That is awesome. And it really sounds good when you say it out loud. And it's true to a certain extent. Because even Jesus got away in solitude, didn't he? There's a time and a place for solitude. In fact, Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, disciplines one of the, I, I highly recommend the, the Celebration of Discipline um, for Christ followers. To me, it has had this, the, the most impact on my life next to the Bible. And, and in it, he talks about the practice of solitude. We need time by ourselves with God. And some of you moms right now are like, he said it and I'm going to use it today. Like I'm going home and he said, I need time by myself with God. So everybody leave, get out of my face, right? So that's fine. You can do that. But we can't do that forever. Are you with me? We can't do that forever, church. We can't do it always. We were created by God in his image. And so we were created to be in community. So community was created by God. It was prioritized by Jesus. And by the way, Jesus not only prioritized it, but he modeled it. Jesus brought people into his inner circle. How many disciples did, did he have when, when he was here on earth? How many? You guys can talk back to me. It's cool. It's all good. Yeah, these just guys are just laughing and saying numbers. Okay, he had 12 disciples, and he brought 12 people. you got to realize there were hundreds, maybe thousands, who were following him, and he brought 12 into the inner circle. And even of those 12, he brought a few of them even closer. Some, some experts say three. Some experts say maybe there was even fourth. Maybe it was you know, uh, Peter, James, and John, um, and, and maybe one or two of the others that he brought into the inner circle. Can you imagine the jealousy that probably occurred among the disciples? Like, I'm sure that everybody else was fine with him bringing people inside the circle, right? And we, we even see it in the stories about the disciples, how they, they did get jealous. They did. They always wanted to know who was first, who was best. Am I going to have a seat next to you when I'm in heaven and so on and so forth? And so Jesus not only modeled it, but he, uh, he prioritized it. And we see him giving priority to it in, in this passage in John 13. I want you to check this out. Verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give you that you, what's that next word? That you love one another. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Like all, the old is gone. It's brought to completion. All, all the Old Testament laws, everything was brought to completion with Jesus. And now he says, I give you a new command, a new command, a new command. It's no longer about rules. It's about relationship, relationship here with us, with God, but also relationship with each other in love, in love. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just, here's the modeling part, by the way, just as I have loved you, I did this to you. I loved you, so you are also to love one another. And then a verse I often use to demonstrate how we as Christ followers are being watched by the world and it's true. They're waiting for us to mess up. They're waiting for us to make a mistake. They're waiting for us to make a wrong move. They're watching to see if we're gonna live according to God's word in love and unity with each other or not. He says, by this, 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's talking about the relationships that we have with each other. The world is watching that church. So when we choose to love each other, when we choose to speak the truth in love, when we choose to turn our back on the anger or maybe bitterness that we have towards someone else or the frustration that we have and we move forward in loving that person, we're demonstrating, we're demonstrating this idea and modeling the idea of community. And so we were created, community was created by God, it was prioritized by Jesus, but it was modeled so well by the first church. Oh, it was modeled so well. I mean, these are the first people, these are the people that the Holy Spirit has come down on them in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter one. The Holy Spirit has come, he's, he's the counselor, he's the one that leads us now into wisdom, as I prayed earlier, into understanding of God's word. And the Holy Spirit is guiding them, and the very first thing that they do is they come together in community. And we see it in Acts two. By the way, Acts was written by Luke, who wrote the gospel of, you can say it with me, Luke, you guys did much better in the first service. They kind of stared at me at that point. They were like, Luke wrote, what, what, what gospel was that? Anyway, it was kind of funny. I loved it. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is kind of the second part of the gospel of Luke, the story of Jesus and then the first church and what happened when Jesus was gone. We see it here, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having, the favor, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the beginning of like the church lunch, potluck church lunch. You notice how many times they shared a meal together? That's real community, isn't it? That's real community. And so they came together for prayer. They came together to learn about God's word. They came together for food. They came together to, to help each other out when there was a need. They came together for food. They came together to, to help support each other when there was something in the community going wrong. They came together for food. They came together seriously and honestly to like sell everything that, so that they could help each other out. They came together for food. Yeah, you got it. It was real community, wasn't it? And they understood that because in their, in their context, in their Jewish culture, everything that existed around teaching the Bible happened around meals, food. You guys got it, exactly. Happened around food. And so they came together. They were created for community. And they came together and they established community together. And so church, I want you to hear today that first and foremost, we are created to be in community because we're created in God's image. Secondly, secondly, today. We're instructed to be in community. We're instructed to be in community. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, you've said yes to Jesus, 
You're trying to follow him. You're trying to understand his word and find out what he wants in your life. He has instructed you to be in community. You see, community is a God-given imperative for all of us who call ourselves Christ followers. In the book of Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, 36 through 40, someone comes up, and as they often did, they wanted to know where their place was and, and like, how good they were. And so they asked Jesus, like, um, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 36 and verse 37, he answers, and I love this answer. He says this, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the greatest commandment. That would have blown some of their minds because there were hundreds of Jewish laws. This is like, this is like a teacher that has like the rubric and the whole thing written out. And, and like there's this list of things that you have to do in the classroom and in homework and on the tests and quizzes. And, and you got that one person in the class that's like, yeah, but what's the one thing that's really important? What's the one thing that's really important? And Jesus doesn't say they're all important. He doesn't say you gotta perform at about 80% of all of them or 50. He says this is the greatest commandment. You love the Lord your God, this relationship, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Then as a great teacher, he didn't stop there. He said, and there's a second that's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's this. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is community, and Jesus gave us this as an imperative it's an act of obedience once we start following him. And then he wraps it up. He says, on these two commandments, all of the law depend all of the law and all of the prophets, these two. Love God and love people. That's it. I love, I love, we try to complicate uh, church. We try to complicate our faith walk. We try to complicate religion, if you will. And Jesus just simplified it over and over and over again. And I'm so thankful for that. Because however many laws there were, hundreds of them. And then man added more to them. By violating one, by violating one of those, we couldn't be perfect. And Jesus said, hey, this is it right here. Love God and love people. He set that standard. He gave us that instruction. In Hebrews, the message that was written to the people who had been um, Jews and now they were Christians, they were followers of the way, we see kind of this idea uh, you know, kind of reiterated in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. He, the author says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then the author says, not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, wouldn't you have liked to have been in that small group of Christians when you were the some? <laughs> and like there's a leader at the table and you've just finished your meal and the leader at the table is like, yeah, you know, here's what we need to do. We need to not neglect the habit of meeting together like some of you have. And he looked across the table and pointed someone out and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Sorry, it was me. He says, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more keep on doing it 
more and more and more as the day of the Lord gets closer, as the day of his second coming gets closer. And church, I got to tell you that, that you know, this is why the church has continued for so many years for over 2,000 years, despite war, despite famine, despite hardship, it's because God's people took seriously the idea of meeting together. And we need to do the same in our day and in our age, in our culture and in our community. And then lastly, not only are we created to be in community, not only are we instructed to be in community, but we play a vital role in the larger scope of community. We play a vital role in the larger scope of community. And maybe you're here and maybe the idea of being like in a small prayer group or a, a women's luncheon or one of our groups that meets in the evening at people's homes and they do Bible study and prayer and fellowship, maybe you've resisted that. Maybe you're like, oh, it is not my thing. It's not my thing. Maybe, maybe this will compel you. Maybe if the other two don't, maybe this one will. Because essentially, I believe what God is saying here is that we need you. The church needs you. Other Christians need you. There's a group that needs your gifts, that needs your perspective, that needs you know, what God is telling you, the, the, the experience, good or bad or ugly that you've had. We need you. And so we all play a vital role in the larger scope of community. The message that Paul wrote, the letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to, what are those next two words? Grow up. <laughs> Some parents, you can say it to your kids, okay? It's in the Bible. You'd be like, yeah, God said I could tell you to grow up, all right? But he's speaking spiritually here, and he's speaking in terms of our faith walk with others, with other Christians. He's saying, rather, rather speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him, Christ, who's head of the church, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working, what's that next word? Properly. When it's working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know what Paul understood? Inspired by God's Holy Spirit, Paul understood that like in the temple courts, which is in Jerusalem where they would come to meet in the temple courts, they would come together and they would meet and it was something you know, not too dissimilar. I guess in many ways it was radically dissimilar, but it was a bigger group of people that would meet together. And Paul understood, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, that we couldn't get to know each other. We couldn't have meaningful relationships with each other by just an hour a week or even a moment during the day. Paul understood that we needed community outside of the temple, if you will. And so when you come here on Sundays, you're coming for, for yes, you're coming for fellowship and community and you meet people and that sort of thing, and, but you're coming for worship and, and teaching and um, to hear a preacher go long usually some days. Um, but um, like being involved in a home or in a classroom or somewhere else is where you discover meaningful relationships. And so we as a church from day one 
have kind of taken this approach, this philosophy, that we grow smaller so that we can grow larger, that we grow deeper so that we can grow wider, and vice versa is true as well. See, our goal is, is to grow deeper and to, 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 to grow smaller, to have more people with more meaningful relationships in a smaller group so that you have depth and you have significance and you get to know people and you share life together. But we also desire to grow larger and to grow wider and to bring more people in so that they can see the love of Christ. They can maybe even accept Christ as their savior and they can then join a group. And so that's how we do it. Yes, we are created to be in community. We are instructed to be in community. We play a, a vital uh, role in the larger scope of community. And so we have chosen to do this thing called community. Yes, a little bit on Sunday mornings. That's why we moved our service times so you could have an hour in between services. And um, in between services, by the way, our students meet over in the community center for small group. And I wanna encourage you, if you have a student in here, Wednesday night is great. That's what they're doing. They're doing this on Wednesday nights, right? In backstage right here. They're worshiping, they're, they're, they, do, they do games. They, they, you know, we don't do games in here. I think you guys, like that would not go over very well, but they do that there on Wednesday nights. But their meaningful relationship is forged in small groups on Sunday morning in between the services. That's what it's for. And so I encourage you on that. I encourage you in terms of being here on Sunday mornings. I've said it for a long time, um, worship. When you're here, be here. When you're in town, be here. And in terms of groups, I wanna challenge you to live life together, get in a group. That's the way you're going to experience Christian life at its finest. We do it in groups and classes, and I, I wanna tell you just very briefly as, as we close today. I wanna to tell you very briefly about all the different environments we have. Chris McBride, I think she's back at guest services. She is, um, she's on staff and she is our, our groups and connections director. And she does an amazing job with our groups and with connection at this church. And I wanna thank Chris McBride this morning. Would you join me? Thank you. I want you to hear, we have groups and classes. Groups meet in restaurants and coffee shops and in homes, and they're ongoing. They meet during the school year, but they're ongoing. Classes meet in the community center in the classrooms that we have there, and they're short-term, you know, eight to 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever the case may be. I wanna encourage you to find a group or class to get involved with. Here are some of the ones that we have. For those of you who are new believers, we have Starting Point, kicks off real soon. You can find out more about that. I'm gonna tell you where you can find out about all these in a minute. We have um, Bible Study Fellowship for Women. They meet on Monday nights. We have Financial Peace University that's gonna be kicking off here at the end of this month. If you wanna know what God's word says about money, I wanna encourage you to go to FPU. I went to FPU years ago and it changed my world, saved my marriage, and it helped me understand finances a little bit better. I wanna encourage you to go to Financial Peace. We have, we have a group that's um, starting up called Guardrails, which is an amazing study. We have a parenting group on Sunday morning um, in between services while your kids are in a small group. You can learn a little more about parenting over there in the community center. Um, we have a men's group that meets on Thursday morning, two that meet on Wednesday morning. We have a group for um, mixed, uh, a mixed group for empty nesters and, and it's a, a retired group. The group isn't retired, the people in it are retired, just to be clear, okay? So anyway. Um, 
Uh, I like that one. That's fine. Okay, so then we have uh, um, we have a mixed group that meets. Um, that previous group meets on Tuesday. Another mixed group that meets on on Tuesday. Our our young adults and gen, um, next generation group professionals, um, young professionals. They meet on Tuesdays. They have an amazing group of people that meet at Justin's house. Um, uh, we have a mixed and couples group that meets, uh, another one that meets on Tuesday. Wednesday night roots, where if you wanna go deeper from what we studied on Sunday morning, meets in the community center on Wednesday nights at 6.30. We have a women's group on Thursday. We have one on Monday. We have one at lunch on Wednesday. And, and yeah, I think I covered most of it there. <laughs> And then our kids and our students, as I mentioned earlier, they're in group two. You see, this is something that we as a church want to do 360 degrees. It's that important. It's the second part of what Jesus commanded us. It's right there. It's the next to the most important commandment. And we sometimes miss that, don't we? We sometimes miss that. Now, here's my challenge. I want to get real for the last five minutes. I want to get real for a second. I, I sometimes hear some of you say, man, I just never really never could get plugged in. I was always maybe di- feel, I feel disconnected here in the life of our church. I don't really know what's going on in the life of our church. Here's my challenge. Straight talk this morning. It is on you. <laughs> it's on you. The onus is on you. We don't force or cajole or twist arms. We don't lock the doors and like, we're not leaving here until you get in a group, all right? We will never do that. I'm just joking about that. You can laugh. Um, Some of you are like, oh, that's weird. Uh, Anyway, so like, we don't even require being in a group for membership. Here's why. The onus is on you. It's on you. If you believe that you were created for community, if you believe that you have been instructed as a Christ follower to be in community, and you believe that it plays a vital role in the larger scope of community, then you will get involved. And Chris has done such a great job that we have enough groups to accommodate nearly all of the people who call Hilton Head Island Community Church their home. And if one doesn't fit, maybe you could start one. Maybe you could help Chris and help others start one. But church, I want you to hear, the challenge is on you. It's on you. This church has been around for 13 years and there have been days and times, usually when I've led our small group ministry, that I couldn't get up here and say what I'm about to say, but we're ready for you. We're ready for you. We're prepared. We've got the groups, we've got the leadership. It's organized. Man, I'm proud of where we are as a church in terms of groups and classes and connection ministry. And I want you to experience it. Our pastor in Atlanta used to say that the lifeblood of the church happens in groups, and that is true. And I want you to experience it. I want you to find out more. And so my challenge is this. Find a group, try a group, and join a group. It's pretty easy. Find a group, try a group, and join a group. I realize for some of you, it's harder than for others. It's busy. The kids, the schedule, the this, the that. If you take it seriously, if you make it a priority, you'll do it. I realize it's hard. Choosing to be in a community may not be easy, but it's important and it is up to you. Now today when you leave, 
I want to encourage you to take one of these cards. On the front, it says group. On the back, it has a list of the groups that are really easy for those of you who, you know, you might not be here all the time. You might come and go. These are the easy groups for you to plug into. It makes a lot more sense than maybe some of the others. Um, on this side, we're not listing the groups, not doing that on paper anymore because they change so often, but we have them up to date online all the time. And so today, as you leave, some of our group leaders um, are going to be in the lobby area, and, and I want to encourage you to take one of these. It has our website on it. It's slash groups. That's how easy it is. And you can go in there and take a look at the list of groups that we have. It's got the information on how you can find out more if you can't find a group. By the way, our group leaders are amazing. And I, I just want to say thank you to our group leaders who lead week in and week out through the school year. They're amazing. So thank you to our group leaders this morning. <laughs> Choosing to be in a community may not be easy, but it's important. And it's up to you. It's up to you. Take up that challenge. Take one of these cards home. Chris is a huge believer in you taking one of these home, taking a look at it, and praying about what group meets your needs. Find it, try it, and then join it. Be a part of groups at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Reset your relationship this year, this new decade, and be a part of community here. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that you are community, you created us for a community, that you modeled it, that Jesus instructed us to do it, the first church modeled it. Oh God, you've given us all the tools that we need to be in community with people who share our faith, share our values, share our interests and our focus and maybe even our passions maybe even our hobbies. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would raise up people that are within the sound of my voice who may have given you every excuse in the world as to why they don't need Christian community, the fellowship of other believers. God, I pray beyond everything that I've said today, beyond all the words that we've sung and will continue to sing, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prompt them, not in a judgmental way, but God, that you would prompt them. As hard as it may be to find a group, to try a group, and then to join a group. And find the joy of what it means to be in community within a church. God, I pray for more leaders so that we can have more places for people to grow in their walk with you, more places for people to connect with you and with others, to learn about your word, to learn about what you're doing, to share life with each other, to get good spiritual wisdom and advisement from each other. God, I pray that you would raise up new leaders within the life of our church as well. God, I pray that you would be pleased with how we respond to how you're leading right now. We thank you for the gift of community that's so important within our homes and our businesses at school. But God, I thank you for the community that you've given us in your church, your bride, this body of believers. And I pray that you would do an amazing work in and through our groups and our classes. 
We give it to you, and now we give you praise. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.